0: the one you're listening to. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now let's get on with the show. With us right now, Stephen Hoffman. Stephen Hoffman, you are the founder, CEO of founder space. Uh, and I am so excited to have you. You're the author of three books, including your newest one on HarperCollins, Surviving a Startup. Um, your previous books, Make Elephants Fly and the Five Forces that Change Everything. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, how startups uh, grow today, launch and grow today. And Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. Also, your, your nickname's Captain Hoff. Where does that come from?
1: It's my gamer handle. So I'm a big gamer, <laughs> I actually made and launched games in my past. I had gaming startups, so that's where it comes from.
0: Any Anything I may have played or you could maybe tell us about?
1: Yes. Um, in the early days, I did the mobile versions of big games like Tetris, Wheel of Fortune, Hitman, AMF Bowling, lots of games. So you would port them of.
0: over to a mobile platform then? We would.
1: So my wow. studio did that. We ported all these top games oh my gosh. to mobile. We were oh my kind gosh. of the pioneers in that space.
0: Oh my goodness! Very cool. What what was the name of your um, uh, agency or your uh, game or the company?
1: So I had a number of companies. So I began huh? with my own startup called Lava Mine, mm. and we started producing business simulation games. So our first game was to teach people young people, how to be entrepreneurs. And mm. it was called Gazillionaire. So everybody's <laughs> goal was to be a gazillionaire. It was a huge hit. We went on to produce a number of games. Uh, eventually I joined a, a big public company called Infospace and headed their gaming studio.
0: Yeah. Where
1: we launched all these games all
0: around the world. I am, I'm familiar with that brand. Um, well, awesome, Steve, pleasure to have you on. All right, so tell me about Founderspace.
1: So after doing three venture-funded startups and really uh, being in the trenches, I launched Founderspace. And our mission was to help entrepreneurs globally, all around the world, connect with each other, connect with capital, and enter new markets.
0: Well, that doesn't sound like a bad entity. Um, so uh, how do you how do you do that? Is, is this incubator- um slash accelerator, or is, tell me me about how it's So we are
1: a startup accelerator, a global Uh startup accelerator. We work both online and offline with entrepreneurs. I actually, before the pandemic, spent 70% of my time traveling globally. So we work all across Europe. We work in uh, 22 countries. We have partners all over the world. The partners tend to be governments, other incubators, accelerator, tech parks, and large corporations.
0: All right, so someone's listening to us and they're saying, I've got a startup or I've got a startup idea. How do I get involved? How does Founderspace help me? So I'm constantly traveling. So
1: right now I'm in New York, then I head to Boston. I'm always meeting with entrepreneurs. Uh, we fund them, we mentor them, uh, we give them uh, most importantly uh, guidance and direct on what, you know, what's up, what troubles are they having? What obstacles mm. are holding them back? And we try mm. to help them overcome those. So if an, an entrepreneur wants to reach out to us, they just send uh, their business plan. They go to Founder Space, click on either our incubators and accelerators or our venture capital, and submit their business plan. It's that simple.
0: Yeah. Um, and so if we're looking at where we are today, and we're recording this kind of middle of twenty twenty one, how has the world changed over the past few years for folks wanting to start a business, get funding?
1: There has never been a better time to raise capital. I will tell you, like through it all, I've been through everything back in my early days, the dot-com bubble and the dot-com bubble bursting, the financial crisis of 2008, 2009. And I will tell you right now is great. There is so much capital out there. They are looking for, this capital is looking for a home. It's chasing investments. So it's really an entrepreneur's dream. However, even saying that, it's still tough and you know there are a few companies and the companies that really are excellent they are oversubscribed they have too many investors who want to put money into them mm. and then everybody else is is fighting over the crumbs that's how it works so you really have if you're still going to win you have to be the best of the best in whatever you're doing and if uh, and i tell entrepreneurs out there if you don't think you can honestly be number 1 in your market like just crush the competition if you don't have that something special then rethink it. Do something else. Don't stick with what you're doing.
0: Yeah. So what um, what would you recommend? Like in terms of it, you know, stand, standing out, or you know, maybe it's um, I don't know. Is standing out most important? Is it just, you know really a great idea? Is you know networking? I mean, w- when we think about the the most important elements to a startup founder that is going to make it. Uh, what are some of those elements that they want to that they want to have?
1: When I look at startups and when most venture capital who really know what they're doing analyze startups, we look at a few things. So number one thing, which might be surprising, is we don't look at as much at the early stage, you know how much revenue they have, how much growth they have because they don't have a lot. They're usually at the you know early prototype stage or they're just launching. They don't have many users or customers. What we look at is the team. Like, is that team excellent? Because I will tell you, if you have an amazing team, like even if you start off in the wrong direction, you will course correct, you will figure it out, and you will try, keep trying different things until you hit it. But if you have a a subpar team, Mm. even with a great idea, even with the best technology, if you have those things, Um, and and start out of the gate, you will fumble the ball. You will drop the ball. And you, some other competitor, it's so highly competitive, will look at what you're doing and pass you up. That's how it always works. So we look at the team, number one. And then we also look really closely at the product. And we want to see that whatever you're producing has extreme value, not just value, but extreme value to customers out there, meaning they really, really need it for their business. And they mm. can't get it from any of the competition. They, whatever you're offering can't just be a feature, like to make up something better. If you're a feature and somebody else already dominating the market, you're dust. Like, mm. <laughs> forget it. it. It has to be either something totally different that the customer really, really needs, or it has to be exponentially better doing whatever the comp- competition does so that it's so much better that customers who never want to actually switch products, <laughs> nobody wants to switch products, feel compelled to make that jump.
0: Yeah. Um, now, Stephen, one thing that uh, y- you've been involved uh, in Asian markets, and so um, what should uh, U.S.-based based startups know about uh, opportunities overseas, or, or in other words, um, you know, I see, looks like China. I don't know what other uh, Asian countries that, that you've been uh, very intimately involved with, but it seems like you know some stuff
1: <laughs> on I that do. topic. I do. I will tell you, I had to learn the hard way. I just dove right in like entrepreneurs do. So, we do a lot of business now. So a lot in South Korea, where we work with the government very closely, with entrepreneurs very closely. We work in Taiwan. Uh, we have done business in Malaysia, Japan, Singapore, all those different places. Mm-hmm. And I, most importantly, we the big elephant in China. The big elephant is is China. You know yeah. that is that dominates Asia. Yes. So, um, the, the economy is so much larger than all of those other countries combined. Yeah. So we had to enter the Chinese market. And it's very tough because it's a closed market, like in everything in China. it's It's very relationship-based. Like the whole thing is about relationships. And we didn't have any when we went in there. So we had to figure out what to do. And I will tell you, a lot of Western companies get burned entering China because wow. either they just, you know, People were coming up to us all the time and saying, do a joint venture with us, do a joint venture. And in China, a joint venture means you actually start a business with them. They become your partners. Like, And the problem is they know everything about the system and you know nothing. So you are <laughs> at a severe disadvantage. So we said no to all of them, like yeah. literally no. And what we did was we actually focused on smaller deals. Like we would do Uh, We would do a strategic partnership, which we could control, which is all contractually based, like Mm -hmm. you do this, we do this. And then we would learn through these small deals what works, what partners we could trust, which uh, cities were the best to be in. And we wound up setting up founder space in major cities across China through this strategy. We were like launched in Xi'an, Wuhan, Nanjing, Hanzhou, Shenzhen, all these major Chinese cities, but we did it step by step. And that's what I want to tell you, is when you are out there and you don't know the market very well, you know, uh, don't try to, don't, a lot of us, a lot of people came up to us with what seemed like very attractive offers. Let us handle all your business in China. Mm. Don't do it that way.
0: (laughs) If somebody says, let us handle all your business in China, yeah, be be, be be very skeptical. Be um, very skeptical. <laughs> on you know on that note in terms of like risk and and so forth, um you know one thing you address in in your new book um surviving a startup is uh is why do startups fail? And so if if you were to think across all the startups that you've been exposed to and then you see eventually like man, they they didn't make it. Um are there any commonalities there? There are a lot of commonalities
1: a number one reason I see a lot of entrepreneurs fail is that they simply try to do it all themselves. Like I tell entrepreneurs, you know, you should, as the, as the entrepreneur, as the CEO, your job is to do nothing but bring in resources. Remember this your job isn't to build the product, your job isn't to uh, take out the trash. Your job, you know, it feels like you have to do all these things when you're Mm -hmm. starting your own company. But if you really look at the smart entrepreneurs, what they do is they get other people to do all the things the marketing. You don't have to be a marketing expert, you don't have to be all these things. What you need to do is find the people who are those, and you need to sell them on your vision. You need to be able to convince them that. Your company, with no money at the beginning, with has something much more valuable, and that is your equity. That your vision for this company will be worth so much more than anything you could pay them today. Mm That they should be, honestly, thankful that you are not paying them. Instead, you are giving them stock, which supposedly could be worth a fortune um, if they get on your team and do every single job that you need done. Now, great leaders make a company. And great leaders are constantly feeding that company. So your job should be the forager, going out there, getting capital when you need it, venture capital, getting customers to get buy into your company, getting people to join your company, getting media attention. All of those things are the job of the CEO, but none of the routine stuff. Everything like that should be handled by other people. That is a good start.
0: Wow. Um, What about... um... You know, say a startup say, "Man, we are just having the toughest time getting in front of investors." What what should they be doing differently?
1: Well, number 1, investors do want to meet you. It's their mm-hmm. job to invest, yeah, after all. Right. They, they have, they're sitting on these piles of money and they have to put them to work for a venture fund. The money needs to be invested usually within the first three years of the fund. The fund can go on for 10 years, but the initial investments, they have to place quickly because then the, it needs time for those investments to mature and then exit, meaning they get their return. So uh, they, they are actually under pressure to invest. Remember mm-hmm. this. So what they are doing is they're screening. They are like screening, screening, screening. Their first line of defense is usually they want a warm introduction. They want somebody Mm -hmm. uh, that knows them, that they trust to have vetted the startup because they are just getting too much over the transom. Too many business plans and investor decks are coming their way. They can't sort through them all. Secondly, a lot of times, getting introductions is hard, so you have to network out there. You have to meet people, and again, the CEO's job is to do this—to sell these people on the vision that you're somebody worth introducing. Number two, um, you can actually approach director, investors directly. I've done this with my startups. I hustled. You know, their email addresses are out there. Believe it or not, sometimes even on their website and if you write the right email the right approach you can get through like i got through to the top vcs in silicon valley like sequoia you know excel just by cold emailing them but you can't write just any email you have to write it just right and what i tell entrepreneurs out there is look make your email super short these people are busy you know put in there mm-hmm. you know in one sentence what does your company do what incredible value are you creating that nobody else is in one sentence or two max then three things that highlight your company yeah we're all MIT grads yes we won this amazing award and yes we um uh have this technology that is just uh transformative you know three bullet points and mm. then a link to your business deck your very short power and if if you have one and i recommend you make one because it will really help you stand out a video, a short video, you know, two to three minutes where you basically talk about your company and show them your product. Like, what is my product? You visualize it, even if you haven't fully built it. You visualize it, you show it. They see you, the CEO, talking about it with passion, being very articulate. Most investors are lazy. They will you know, not even read your uh, business plan. They just <laughs> want a quick dose in the simplest form possible of what you do. They want to understand it and see the magic. You can convey that you will get in the door.
0: Stephen, have you ever seen a? I'm just kind of asking now, selfishly here. Um, so we're a service-based business, um, and you know, I, I, it's not a business. I don't think that would be I, service-based business. Don't generally tend to be real interesting for investors, um, unless there's some way you can evolve that in a way that's a little bit more scalable. Um, any any advice for someone's got a service-based business that says, you know what? I, I want, I want an investor.
1: <laughs> so service-based businesses are great because you can start getting revenue right away. Yeah. That's oh, the yeah. beauty of a service-based business. Like you're out there, you put it out there, you have a service to sell, boom. Investors though, uh, generally think service-based businesses are difficult to scale. Like you mentioned, mm-hmm. because they need more people. And a lot of them need talented people to scale. So yes, you could become an Accenture, you know, a big consulting firm, a McKinsey, you know, that is kind of the dream. But most of those businesses at the beginning, investors have a very hard time knowing why you would beat out uh, one of these big consulting firms in whatever you do, right? Because it's very hard to scale a consulting firm. It's just very, and a a services business that requires humans who have Mm -hmm. certain, uh, deep knowledge, because just acquiring those people is hard enough, let alone scaling them. So what you need to do, if you want, you know, some investors will invest in anything, honestly, like there are angel investors who don't mind that, you know, they will invest in this. But if you're looking at Silicon Valley VCs, which is a type I deal with, what they are looking for is a platform. They want something where you can create value by bringing in lots of people and connecting them together using the internet, using technology, So if you reimagine your business as a platform, let's say software as a service, and you can put it together that way, maybe put together a marketplace where independent people with your talent skill can be matched with with companies that need that talent, then you have a chance of actually raising true venture capital.
0: Mm. Brilliant. Okay. Someone's been listening to us and they're like, I like this Stephen Hoffman guy. I like Captain Hoff. All right. So, K- Captain Hoff, where do they go? What do they do? Um, whether we're talking with, uh, you know, in this audience, going to be a lot of, you know, ex- established business owners. Like we've, you know, a lot, probably, I'm guessing a lot of service based businesses, but probably some great entrepreneurs that are, you know, they're successful and they definitely do have an idea for something that would be attractive for an investor, but they're still maybe real early in the game. Where where do they begin? So
1: number one, um, where they begin, they could come to us. They could come to Founderspace. We are a startup accelerator and incubator. Uh, They can submit their business plan just by going to founderspace.com. So that's one step. There are a lot of other places out there um, that you can raise capital, that you can grow. I tell people, You know, with traditional businesses, with service-based businesses, look, network like crazy, form Mm. strategic relationships like crazy. See if you can optimize that. See if you can accelerate how you do that to get into the marketplace. There are so many resources out there from sites where you can raise capital, from angel investors like AngelList, amazing place, to all these different resources out there where you can make connections. You really, uh, I say... You can do so many deals with just a a smart contract right? So another thing I tell service-based businesses, learn legal, right? Learn yeah. how to write basic contracts. Because if you have to hire a lawyer for every little deal you do, it's expensive. Like, it can, <laughs> you can be paying the lawyer more than you'll get in the deal. They could take all the profit out of it. So, you know, templatize your contracts, figure out the type of deals you do, figure out ways to form strategic partnerships that you can replicate over and over again. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, then you can start to scale your business.
0: Very exciting. Stephen Hoffman, Captain Hoff, your website, foundersspace.com. Stephen, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.